Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. This week, um, it's been fun. Sometimes the Lord will wake me up and, and just I'll hear a phrase immediately. And um, we'll, we all hear differently, but that's one way that God speaks to me. And it's really fun when he does because it's super clear. You go from dead asleep to like hearing something. But the first time he woke me up, I just heard people get ready. And I love that we were singing the song today. Getting ready, getting ready, right? Isn't it awesome when the Lord lines up what he's doing in the world with my heart and with the worship team's heart and with y'all's hearts? There, there's a, there is a time to get ready. And um, he's preparing us, and he's preparing his bride for his return. Um, the second night, I woke up, and I heard, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And that's from Mark 9, 7. It's at the the transfiguration. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then right after that, he says, do whatever he tells you. And and you remember at um, Cana, at the wedding, Mary um, said, hey, there's no wine. And Mary, just in faith, says, Jesus is here. He, He can help, right? Do whatever he tells you. And I just think that's a word for us uh, collectively, and we're going to talk about that. We can trust his word. We hear his voice. We listen and obey. And as we do, it unlocks the impossible. It unlocks those things that um, he wants to do on the earth. And then finally, the third night, and this was a little bit of a warning, um, was 1 Samuel 27. He just said 1 Samuel 27. I didn't know that 1 Samuel had 27 books, so I I quickly... (laughs) Just opened enough on my phone to know that 1 Samuel 27 is a thing. And um, the very first verse says, but David thought to himself. And I don't know if you've ever heard a, 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 a message about this, but there's nine times that David says, David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord gave him instruction. And as he followed his instruction, like amazing things happened. Victories were won. Things were recovered. Things that were lost were found. And, um, but this one time it says, David thought to himself and he decided he'd go hide out with the Philistines for a year. And he was just a raider running around stealing and pillaging and lying to the king of Philistine. And he he was just not being who he was. So I, I would just say there's a warning of don't just think to yourself, inquire the Lord and he'll tell you. Um, so today we wanted to press into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's really about King Jesus and his return, and it's about how we live together as we await his return as kingdom people. So you know when you accepted Christ, you didn't just receive salvation from Jesus, but you were born into a kingdom. You are born into God's kingdom, and he, there's a king. His name is Jesus. So, we listen to him, and we do what he says. Um, 
So what's really fun about First Thessalonians, this passage has meant a lot to us as a couple, um, but it, it meant a lot to what's going on in the world. And um, Paul came um, to Thessalonica because he heard in a vision or in a dream uh, the people from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And he did. And then when he got there, they received the word with, the, with power and the spirit. So like this church was born out of obedience to God's word and his direction. And the Lord confirmed his word with power. And that's how he's calling us to live. Um, just a few facts about First Thessalonians, and then Grace will kind of lead us into the passage. Um, Paul had a deep love for these people. He was with them, and he knew they were under deep persecution. And he was concerned about their faith. So he sent, um, I think he sent Timothy... I might get the names wrong, sorry. He sent Timothy to go check on him. And, in, and he was so encouraged by what Timothy said. These people are walking in faith. They're encouraging one another. They're loving each other. And um, this, this letter is just an affirmation and an encouragement. Keep going. Keep Sorry. Um, most of y'all know sometimes when I feel Holy Spirit, I cry a little bit. So I may hand off to Grace and <laughs> let her finish if I can't talk. But um, there's a word. Keep going. Jesus is coming back. He is king. And there's a war going on over the souls of men. And it's bigger than what you see in the natural. It's in the spirit. So I think this chapter, First Thessalonians 5, will teach us a little bit about what it's like to live in that war. So I'm going to let Grace kind of take the next section. Um, just to add, the beauty of this whole book is that it was only written in 50 A.D. So this is 20 years after Jesus died. So it's a young church, a young movement of God that is um, needing encouragement. And God is just so faithful. He is not going to let any remnant be lost, even when they're under persecution. And this was a, in a really big city and mixture of Greeks and, and Jews that had come there because it was a trading route. And so it was a mixed body. And he was really calling them to unity. And he was calling them to honor. And he was calling them to love. And many of them were suffering for the gospel. Um, so it's just so powerful to think about God not wanting any of those who suffer to feel alone or to feel overwhelmed, or to get lost in the battle. Um, but we want to focus on just the last chapter because it's his conclusion of these loving words to his people there. And um, in chapter 4, he was really making clear just in the last words of chapter 4 that he was coming down on the clouds, and he was going to take them and all those who died for the gospel with him, that no one would miss it because they were afraid that they were going to miss the return, that maybe it already happened, or they didn't know what was really gonna, when it was going to happen, but he was making it clear they were not going to miss it. And he wanted to anchor them, though, in the mystery of this reality. So the first couple of verses, which are up there, they can put them up in 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul says, 
Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of our Lord will come like a thief in the night. I'm going to skip a couple verses in verses 4 and 5. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark, in the darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. This is such a good word. He was encouraging them in the mystery of the reality of we do not know when the king is coming, but we do know we will know him because we are the light and he is the king of the light, that we will not be in the dark. We will have the discernment of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit to discern the times. That's what he says. The Holy Spirit will help us to know the times that we're in. And all of our times are in his hands. Amen? He is faithful. And we can trust the mystery of his ways in the season that we're in because we can trust who he is in us and who we are as his. He, in all these verses, he repeats like, brothers and sisters, we are family of God. And we belong to him. Do you know that's the longing of every heart? Is that place of knowing I belong. I belong to something that is secure and eternal. Something that will hold me and protect me. Something that will go with me and carry me. We all long for that. And that is what we have in Jesus. That is what we have in not only the Jesus who lives in us, but the Jesus who's the conquering king that we know he's going to bring it forth, that we don't have to fear the darkness. So he's calling us in these passages, calling them and us to live in the light of the presence of God, to let the Holy Spirit confirm our identity and to daily remind us that he is going to show us the way and that our God is near. And then he, call, he changes in verse 8. He takes it to the next level. There's a lot of great things between those, and I'll let you read it. I encourage you to read the whole book on your own later. But he says in verse 8, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So what's the language here? The language is the language of fighters, of armor of God. Who do we know? We've heard Paul say this before. In Ephesians 6, we have the whole passage about the armor and that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. So we're watching this war go on in Israel with our hearts breaking for all those who are suffering and for Israel. And we know, Lord, that there is a battle that is not about men. It is about kingdoms and principalities. And that's where our eyes are on Christ the King who is going to transform by his angel armies, who he is the Lord of, the situation for his glory, for his return. And so we pray with that heart, at putting on faith and love as our breastplate and the helmet of salvation as our hope. Does that remind you of anything? In 1 Corinthians 13, he says, These three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So our kingdom battle is a battle for love. It's a battle for the love of Christ living fully and freely in us, that love that cast out all fear and giving that love away to a world that is bound in fear because that's the enemy's desire and power in present moment is to try to intimidate. 
and try to discourage. But we have the armor of God. And we have hearts that are full of the love of God. And we have the faith that was poured out to us. We don't have to find these things. We get to receive these things. And so we come into this idea that we're the army of God. And we need to put this armor on every single day. And find our place and know the battle is the Lord's. That we do not need to be intimidated. Then verse 9 and 10, he goes on to say the good news of the gospel. Because he wants to keep reminding us. What is it all about? It's all about that the world needs, excuse me, the world needs a Savior. The world needs to know. In verse 9 through 11, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together in him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So this is the word of encouragement, the gospel of hope, that it's Jesus' death, it's not our works that give us this place of security in the heart of the Father, that we are not going to suffer wrath. We have been purified by the blood and made righteous. And we are here to encourage one another to walk in the faith. And what I love is that one of the greatest ways we can encourage each other is to testify to each other. Where have we seen the power of God? How are we moving out fearlessly? And this week I got, I just want to share a little bit of a testimony that I received from a good friend, one of my spiritual moms who is in Israel right now. She actually arrived in Israel the day the war started. Um, And Connie and her team were committed prayer warriors, and they have gone all over the land of Israel with shofars, praying throughout every city in Israel for the Lord to bring people back to himself and for the war and the people to find the true Messiah. And her, um, I'm going to just read a little portion of her prayer, which her testimony. Um, Sorry. So they were first in Jerusalem. She loved it because there was barely anybody there, so they could blow their shofars and walk around the city. And there's no fear in this woman. There never has been. She will give her life for Jesus. And she is, so I only know she's got a lot of joy right now. But she said, we are in Galilee. This is a few days ago. Um, And our assignment today is to prayer walk around the lake. Tomorrow we'll be taking a boat across, and right now we're in a beautiful setting. Yesterday we had an incident where we were checking into the place in Galilee, and we heard sirens, and were asked to go immediately into a bomb shelter where there were many Israelis who had been in the war zone. They were very upset and afraid, and some of the children were crying and could not be consoled because their parents were also very fearful. We even tried to console them, but they did not speak English and had no idea why I was so peaceful. The Spirit kept telling me that the joy of the Lord is my strength, I pray that many here, as we interact with them, could come to find Jesus and the peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. We get to live out what we believe each day. And if we don't do that, we are just like everyone else in this world. Afraid, unable to trust, visionless, not knowing who we are and whose we are. Please pray for the fear coming into our group. God wants to destroy all fear of death in us personally 
as his disciples and allow us to climb higher, dig deeper, love him stronger, and follow him more intimately, hear him more clearly, and over him completely. May the joy carry all of our journeys. When I read that, I was just so, my faith was just risen. She was encouraging me in the midst of the war zone to say, no, we are doing the things, the stuff of the kingdom. So wherever we are, the call is to keep doing the stuff, to walk in the faith. I'm going to pass Mark. So, um, and what's amazing about this kingdom is um, he puts us in family. So we can encourage one another and build each other up. So we can lift each other when we're feeling weak. So we can be the ones that um, speak out to those who are afraid. Say, don't be afraid. God is with you. So, um, and one of the cool things about this family is he gives leaders to us to, to help shepherd us and encourage us and to teach us and to lead us. And um, it's kind of fun that... Um, we miss Matthew and Sarah. They're with their family in the mountains today. We bless them. Um, but it's fun for me that she, they're not here for this because we can surprise them. So um, maybe they're not watching yet. So First Thessalonians five twelve to 13 says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So... What Paul's describing is just a culture of honor, right? We, we love one another. We're full of love. We're full of grace. We're full of gratitude uh, for our leaders. And to be honest, at different times, based on what's going on, that's all of us, right? We're all leaders in some aspects of what God's called us to do, and we honor you. And the Lord honors you, and he wants us as a community to honor one another. So... Um, Hebrews says that our leaders will have to give an account. Um, they have a God-given assignment. And in this case of River Life, Matthew and Sarah and their family said yes. And they didn't have to. So pray for your leaders. And I, I would say, even right now, this is, Matthew gave us full permission. This doesn't have to be church as normal. Pull out your phone, and if you have Matthew's email or Sarah's email or her text, send them a text just saying, I love you, or I appreciate you. You can do it now while we're talking, or you can do it before you go home. But I would say, somehow reach out today and encourage them and just thank them for being who they are. We honor them, and... Um, we're about to celebrate, what is it, the, or we just celebrated nine years of River Life? Well, we are enjoying the fruit of their nine years of faithfulness. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the, the end of that verse says, um, live in peace with each other. How many of y'all are parents? Or if you're not parents, how many of you have siblings? And you know that um, the house, it, everything goes better in the house when there's peace among the siblings. So um, that's, that's an encouragement and a command for us to live in peace with one another, 
So love each other, encourage each other, build each other up. And if you have issues with one another, resolve them, right? So um, mom and dad, in this metaphor, spirit, uh, Matthew and Sarah, um, have joy in their hearts and their service when the family's all getting along. So um, I think that's just a, a very practical tool from, from Paul and an admonishment. So. You know, the, the privilege of family is to seek peace together and then to fight together. And I'm going to go back to that thought that we just had, that I was sharing earlier about this armor, because the next part of the passage is the core of the passage. And part of the core of our love and calling and what God's called Mark and I to do comes from this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15. And it's about our place in the battle. So I'm reading this from the Passion Translation because I think it it just expresses that reality. It says, We appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to instruct those who are not in their place of battle, to be skilled at gently encouraging those who feel themselves inadequate. Be faithful to stand your ground Help the weak to stand again. Be quick to demonstrate patience with everyone. That's a hard one. Quick patience. Okay. Resist revenge and make sure that no one pays back evil in place of evil, but always pursue doing what is beautiful to one another and to all the unbelievers. So this is a call to all of us to find our place in the battle. If you think about the fact that this is a war and we're called to put on the armor, we're called to stand as the army of God. I don't know if you were little. There used to be a song that I'm in the Lord's army. There's lots of songs. In the army of the Lord of God, we are fighting in love to bring the light of Christ to the world. And all the spirits of darkness will bow their knee to our authority. Because Christ is in us. So we stand as the army here to encourage one another to step into our authority and our identity. Because there's lots of places where we don't realize that we aren't in the battle. The enemy is really good at at making us look inward and causing us to think that we're alone. Or causing us to think that we need to be alone because we feel inadequate. We feel ashamed. We feel afraid. We feel guilt. And we feel insecure. And we're just afraid. And that is not what God says to us. God says, I took all the shame. You are not guilty. There is no need to fear. My perfect love is in you to cast out all that fear. You have my Holy Spirit, who he sent in us, to establish the core of our identity as secure in Christ forever. And to give us the voice of God. And so he is calling them to say, where are you in the battle? Are you in your place? Each of us have a unique place. But our unique place is right next to each other. Each of us have the same armor. The hope, the faith, the love, the peace of Christ. But we all have a a different voice. To release the promise. To release the hope and to stand And so we need to take our voices and encourage one another 
where each other is inadequate. We need to take the voice of the Holy Spirit and, and respond to that encouragement. If you have a moment where you need, you, God gives you a thought about someone, text them and encourage them. God's highlighting you in my heart. How are you? Bless you. I encourage you today. We need to be the encouragers in the battle and to stand faithfully in our ground. Whatever ground God's put you in, you are to stand. You don't have to fight the battles. In fact, he says, you know, don't seek revenge if there's a battle against you. Don't take offense. Be quick to forgive. We need to stand and believe that God is going to fight for us. There's a beautiful passage about standing in faith that this reminds me of. It's in 2 Chronicles. And it's when one of the kings, um, Jehoshaphat, was going into battle, and he heard the enemy was really big and intimidating, and he got afraid. And he, call, and he called all the people to fast and pray because he thought we are going to be annihilated by this other army. And he prayed, and God brought forth a prophet to speak to him of, of encouragement to his faith. And he said to them, do not fear. Stand in faith. You will see the deliverance of your people today. The Lord will fight for you. And he does. And the battle is won because they then go out in faith and they praise the Lord. They send their worshiping um, army, before the army, their worshipers and their shofars. And they declare that God is our deliverer. The people stand on this word and they believe God's promise that he will deliver them, that all they have to do is stand. And as they do, they see the enemy fall. They didn't do anything but praise the Lord. So that's what our standing together is. Our standing together is in praise and in gratitude, just like that, knowing that God keeps his promises. Now, another thing in this great central passage is the call to help the weak to stand again. We all know we have moments of weakness. We have weakness that might be physical weakness. We have weakness that might be emotional or financial weakness. And we are here to help one another stand again. We need to come alongside with the love of Christ, testifying to God's work in our own lives to encourage one another to stand again. And we need to fight for one another in prayer and deliverance. God wants to heal everyone in this room, inside and out. And he wants us all to stand against the lies of the enemy and help each other be set free. So we have a call to stand for the weak and to be patient and be patient for one another, and let God's timing work. There is such a, um, a haste that the enemy has in the world, right? Like, we want, we want it all now. We want, we want to feel better right now. We want to courage right now. We want this war to be over right now. And then we want people to change right now, because we really want everybody to behave, <laughs> right? There's such an urgency in us. We just want it right, and that's a righteous thing. That's not wrong to run it right. But he's saying you've got to be patient with one another. In the times that we're in, we have to show patience. Be quick to show patience. And that's the power of the Spirit. We know patience is a fruit of the Spirit. So in this all, we're saying, come Holy Spirit. Give me the wisdom. Give me the discernment. Give me the tongue that does not respond with impatience or revenge or offense or unforgiveness, give us the tongues, the hearts that wait upon the goodness of the Lord to deliver us. And let our hearts just trust in the Spirit. Because he's going to give you the words to say. He's going to tell us everything we need to say. And he first wants us to established as the ones who carry the Holy Spirit. 
into battle, that we don't go in ever alone. We go together. So we just want to take a moment right now to shift the gear of our talking to you and have you engage with the Lord on these matters of your place in battle. So what we want to do is activate, because we believe that no word is, um, is just taught or spoken. It's caught and activated into our lives. So what I want to do is take a few minutes, just a minute, for everybody to be quiet before the Lord and to consider this thought, where am I not in place for the battle, Lord? And consider just, if you have a piece of paper, write it down. But consider, like, am I wandering? Has my will been turned against God's will and I'm going in the wrong direction? Is there a place that I just don't know how much he loves me or I don't believe? And so I'm wandering, looking for another place to believe, to belong. Or asking him, Lord, is there a place where I feel inadequate or disqualified? The Holy Spirit says no one's disqualified. Or perhaps some of you are feeling weak. Weak from wounds, weak from disappointments, weak from physical ailments. God doesn't want any of this weakness to limit you. He wants to break the weakness with his strength because you were created to carry the strength of the Lord, and we go from strength to strength as resurrection people. He wants to heal you. And then this notion, Lord, is there any offense in my life? Is there someone I need to forgive? Or where do I need to seek forgiveness because my words have wounded and judged others? We don't want any open doors to the enemy. And we thank you, Lord. The power of forgiveness flows from your cross to us that we can give it away. So come, Holy Spirit, reveal to us where we are out of line. Thank you, Lord, for your revelation. Thank you for your word. Now, remember, um, he reveals to heal. So if he showed you anything or you have a sense like maybe I am out of position, um, share that with somebody. Share it today. Don't, yeah, don't, don't let that revelation drop to the ground. Share that with someone and just say, would you pray for me? So um, we're going to pray for you all just sort of corporately for a second. But, um, but God wants you to stand. He wants you to stand in faith and in courage and in hope and in love and strength and power. And that's his will for you. So anything that's getting in the way of that has to go. So um, let me just pray for you all. So, Lord, we just thank you for your revelation. Lord, we thank you that you have a place for each of us.
that we are living stones fitted together to carry your glory. Lord, may your glory rest on us right now, even as we seek your face. And Lord, we just confess, which one of my favorite definitions of confession is we just tell the truth. Lord, we've thought us disqualified. We've thought ourselves too weak. We've been afraid. We haven't stood where you've asked us to stand. We haven't even asked, we haven't inquired of you. We've thought to ourselves instead of inquiring of you. So Lord, we just repent of that and we turn from that right now and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us with life and light. Heal those things that are broken in us. Restore our strength. Restore our joy. Put us in place. And only you can do that, Lord. So we look to you and ask that you would do that in Jesus' name. Yeah, we receive of you, Father. We thank you that you never ask us to do anything that you haven't given provision for. So we thank you that um, you have made us a mighty army in Christ Jesus, and you've put us in family to be alongside one another. So I pray, Lord, today that you would have each person here give them opportunity and a person, give them a person in mind to just say, you know, I think I've been out of position. Would you pray for me? Help, help me get back in, in position. That's where I want to be, where God has put me. Um, so we thank you, Lord, for that um, in your grace. In Jesus' name. So we're going to finish out this chapter. Um, it's so practical. So there's six commands for soldiers here in verses 16 to 22. And um, these are things Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And we just say yes. So I'll just read them. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. So um, rejoice always. How many of y'all feel like you rejoice always? How many rejoice sometimes? <laughs> sometimes. And, and how, ma- how many are hungry for more joy? So... In his presence is fullness of joy. So this is an invitation to walk in his presence that we might rejoice always because his presence is always with us. Um, pray continually. So prayer is really just relationship and conversation. Um, it's, it's sharing what you're concerned about. It's hearing what he's got to say. So you, you have Holy Spirit in you, and he wants to walk with you and talk with you. And then they're old... There's another song about Jesus. He walks with me and talks with me. So it's true. It's not just a a kid's song, and that's how he wants us to live. And we get to pray continually because we're in fellowship and relationship with him by the Holy Spirit. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I have often been stuck wondering, like, Lord, what's your will? Well, Usually when I'm in that spot, I'm actually not very thankful. So I'm in in direct opposition to how he's telling us, hey, actually, let's be thankful. So we're going to be thankful in all circumstances because that's his will. 
And that is also a gift of Holy Spirit. So all of these things take Holy Spirit working in us to raise our gaze above the circumstances and to see his goodness, to see the victory, to see Christ the King, the Christ victor over all things in all circumstances. So we give thanks. And do not quench the Spirit. As we were talking about, you know, sometimes... For all sorts of reasons, whether it's um, our own hurt with God or frustration, or maybe it's a theological thing about Holy Spirit, or maybe it's just um, we've stopped paying attention, um, we can turn off the flood and the flow of his goodness and his grace for us, and we're just not paying attention. So we can just say, Lord, I'm sorry if I've quenched the Spirit in any way. Flow. Holy Spirit, flow. Let the river flow. Rivers of living water from my inmost being. Let them flow. Um, and do not treat prophecies with contempt. So similarly, sometimes um, the, prophetic, um, the prophetic flows through people. So sometimes the prophetic is mixed. There's, there's God's heart and voice and people's heart and voice, and they all get jumbled up together. And we don't despise prophecy, but we are given a gift of discernment. So, Holy Spirit, give us the gift of discernment to hold on to that which is good and true and right and just reject and let it fall to the floor anything that's not not from you. And so, Lord, we ask that that would be activated in our community. I'm thankful that we have a church that does not despise prophecy. And I'm thankful that he gives us discernment to be able to receive it and to know what to do with it. And, um, and at its core, Paul says prophecies for encouragement and edification, right? Which is what this whole book is about. Encourage one another and build each other up. How are we going to do that unless we know God's heart for someone? So as we hear God's heart for someone, just share what he tells you. It goes back to what he said in my dream. Just do what he says. And reject every kind of evil. And that gift of discernment will help you to know whether where I'm standing right now or what I'm into or what that thought I hear in my head. Oh, that's not the Lord. I just reject you. Um, We just say, Satan, go in Jesus' name. Be quiet in Jesus' name. We have that authority to shut it down and uh, reject it because it's not true. So... These are just practical little tips of what does it look like to stand in the army and uh, to be the body of Christ together. I would say, actually, they're not tips. They're commands. (laughs) They're the calling. When we walk into battle, we need to activate this kind of life. And it's this kind of life that will show the world that we are the light of the world, that we do not cower to the enemy, that we do not cower to evil or to fear. And that we can discern when we see every kind of evil. We can discern because, you know, the enemy loves to disguise evil as good. He loves to think that we are good all the time by our own strength and not in the goodness of God. And so he is out to, to confuse us. And, to, and he's confusing the world right now. We all know that. There's lots of confusion out there about good and evil. So we need to always be praying, Lord, just give us the wisdom of Christ, the discernment and the power to walk all these things out and to reject evil and speak goodness and love and to celebrate 
that we have the resource of the Holy Spirit to do this. And then what happens is people are going, how are you walking? How are you standing in the midst of the chaos? And we can say, these are the things that God has called, and this is he's empowering me to do. And I want you to be able to do that too because Jesus wants to give you that fullness of life, kingdom life. This is kingdom living right now, and this is what the kingdom looks like on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's a joy that he's made it so clear to us. And he wants to encourage us whenever it gets crazy. This is how we stand. But we're going to wrap up this um, beautiful chapter with the ending part where God moves um, what is the great love of Christ in Paul for the Thessalonica church, knowing that he might never go back there and see them. He is declaring over them God's goodness and God's promise to be everything they need. And he's declaring this over us as a church now. So it says in 523 and 24, I just want you to put your hands out and receive this from the Lord. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. So with this promise, we get to rest And that it's all from God. It's God himself. It's his peace. We know that the peace that the Middle East wants right now will only be found in Jesus Christ. And that is the true, not just for that battle, but for the battles that are in Chapel Hill and all over this country. Jesus is the only prince of peace for every battle. And he makes us holy. The invitation is that he will sanctify us through and through as we come to him. So we get to give that away to the world. God is not calling you to clean yourself up. He is just calling you to come and receive the abounding gift of his grace and his righteousness because of his blood. And this little phrase in the middle, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless, is a call to our alignment spirit, soul, and body with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible in just declaring that we are first spirit people. Our spirits are here now. They've been with God forever, and they're going to be with him forever. We are more spirit people than we are flesh people. And that is what we're called to live out in this world, and that's what he empowers us to do in the world by his Holy Spirit. So we're called for our spirit and our soul and our body to be aligned. Our soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. And they're supposed to follow Holy Spirit. Our body is the flesh that God has given us to walk this earth to, that our spirit may inhabit a flesh to do the good work, to be the army of God on this earth, to bring in the harvest. And so daily you can say what is, Father, bring into alignment my spirit, soul, and body with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I call forth my spirit to be in charge, not my mind, will, and emotions. They're good helpers. They're a gift. 
Jesus is in them and wants to move them, but they don't need to lead. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. And our bodies don't need to fight against Him. They can be calm. They can be at peace. They aren't our strength. Our strength is in the Lord. So that's just a a simple way as you want to align and be the army of God is just call forth your spirit, soul, and body to be aligned with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that beautiful unity of the Trinity because that's his faithfulness to create us that way, to establish and strengthen us that way in these days ahead. And I just want to call forth all of your giftings because every bit of the Holy Spirit in each of you is uniquely gifted to carry out this word for one another and for the world. So this is not about you and Jesus alone. Again, we say this is about the body of Christ, the church, the family of God, living in the glory of God, releasing the glory of God wherever we go as his beloved. And so we just are so thankful to be learning how to love God and love each other together, aren't we? Aren't we thankful for the the challenge and the privilege and the power of Christ in us that will be able to flood this love into our own hearts so that we might release it to the world through one another? So I just bless you to be empowered to go out this week to know as God moves in his spirit, he will be the Lord of the battle, but he will call you up and he will equip you for the places that he wants you to pour out his love this week. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.